All right, today on Beerus TV, I bet you are doing or have done one of these 15 mistakes with two-part. Uh, if you get to the end of today's video and say, nope, I got all those covered, count yourself among the reef masters, pat yourself on the back. But really, I think a lot of you are gonna get a lot of information today on how to do this even better. So today we're going to up our game and share the years of two-part knowledge that we've gathered here. And uh, we're gonna help you avoid all of these hurdles. And first one that we're gonna start with is the mistake of not recognizing precipitation. Yeah, okay, so all the two parts out in the market. By the way, we have all the BRS stuff out here, but we're talking about all the two parts today. Yes. And all of them can have a problem with precipitation. And so one of the things is a lot of people don't know the signs of what a two-part precipitation looks like. Mm -hmm. And so I'll share with you a couple of things. One, uh, if your pumps are getting jammed all the time and they're filled with calcium carbonate, that's one of them. That is. They have, uh, I mean, there's white crusty type stuff, especially when you're, where you're dosing into the tank. Uh, if you see like this white crust precipitation on there, that is some too. Uh, one of the ones that I've always gotten uh, from, we got phone calls from, we get phone calls all the time is, I don't see precipitation, it's not on my heaters like you would expect. You can see white crust build on your heaters, but I just don't see it anywhere, but my sand bed is extremely hard, right, especially right up against the rocks. Mm -hmm. Another one I see a lot is people think their sumps are high flow, but uh, really most of our tanks are like 50 times turnover and mm. the sump's like three. Uh, and uh, depending on the area, the sump can be pretty low flow. And if you look right where it doses in, often you can see like sheets of like crumbly uh, calcium carbonate and yeah. it comes in different colors. If you see signs of that, it's definitely a problem. So we're gonna get into today why precipitate is a problem, but first you need to know like the signs of it and what you're looking for. So it's looking at pumps, looking at uh, solid uh, like sand chunks, all that mm -hmm. crust that forms around where it's dosed into it. All of this stuff are signs of precipitation in your tank. All right, so number two is actually related to that and not understanding what a high flow area in the sump is. So just like we were saying, there can be stagnant areas in your sump. Uh, for some people, that might be the return pump chamber if you have a low turnover rate. Uh, for others, it might be like the first chamber that your uh, filter socks or that your tank drains into. What we're looking for here is this high turbulent fast flow water. So a lot of times for some people that'll come in between baffles, it'll come directly after baffles where water's pouring into the tank or might even be the return pump chamber where there's immediate draw of water from that section. I'm just going to say almost everything you think is high flow isn't actually mm -hmm. other than dosing directly into uh, like a power head. Yeah. And for that purpose uh, for me I actually now use like just find the lowest cost power head I can find whatever it might be and I feed right into it. Yeah. Right. And so whether it be like a Hydro Corellia I can feed right into the uh, path of it mm. because when you drop in like you know the alkalinity it isn't like you know changing the alkalinity from uh, nine to ten. Yeah. Right at that spot where it went in it's like hundreds you know <laughs> it's really 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 high until it dipis, uh, dissipates throughout the tank. So just get an inexpensive power head, no matter where you put it, and it will instantly dissipate and you won't have any of those problems. So number three, a lot of people do this, uh, and what is it? Yeah, this is dosing both parts, calcium and alkalinity, into the same area. Uh, common mistake too is because uh, some of the, the probe holders or the probe, you know, uh, the dosing tube holders that we get have all four or four of them in a row, which means I'm just kind of forced to dose them both in the same area. Uh, in which case, offsetting the time is probably a fix for that if you, if you opt to use those. Uh, but you could avoid it altogether and just separate out the dosing hose, one upstream, one downstream, and dose them you know, uh, 
opposite of each other. I think most people will probably end up doing, because the dosing lines are in that area, yeah. is using that option to do it at different times of the day, right? right? You can do calcium in, during the day and alkalinity at night or vice versa. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do alkalinity at night to kind of balance out the pH of the tank, but the daytime is also the highest consumption of alkalinity. So just pick what's right for you, maybe split the difference uh, the other direction. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so make sure that you don't dose them at the same time into the same area or you'll just cause precipitation in the tank. So number four is? It, this is uh, putting your dosing tubes into the water. So uh, buildup will happen. They clog when this happens. And I've seen it on the 162. And even some of those high turbulent flow areas, uh, you really want some space between the water and your dosing tube. Maybe not so much that it just splashes and drips everywhere, but there is a balance there to where water can't get into the tips of your dosing tubes, in which case if it does, Usually it starts to precipitate and build up right around the tip there and then it ends up clogging and throws off your dose. Yeah, so if you have that problem, you'll know it. You'll see all that crust all over it. It's not because the two-part is precipitating mm -hmm. out. Uh, it's because of the water's being splashed up on it. So just move them up higher and you won't have that problem. All right, so number five, something I think almost all of us have been guilty of at one point in time or another. Yeah, something new comes out and I want to try it. And then something new comes out and I want to try it. So changing brands and changing different things uh, week to week or month to month or what have you, probably not the, probably not the best thing to do. Also, uh, within that too, with changing different ones, uh, assuming that they're all the same quality. Big yeah. mistake. So both those things are uh, mistakes. One, changing all the time, right? I'm going to tell you this right off the bat. I've seen super stunning tanks using all of them, oh, yeah. right? None of them are a limiting factor <laughs> to being able to achieve uh, your desired result. Now, some of them have obvious benefits. They have some amounts of trace elements, some mm -hmm. super complex methods of trace elements. Some just kind of you know mix it in with their two-part. Uh, uh, there's a cost difference. Yeah. Some of them, like Triton, are specifically designed for you know use with the refugium and replacing iron, molybdenum, and all those types of things that the algae actually uptakes, but the corals need as well. Yeah. So dosing that back in because you're using the right tool for the right job. But for the most part, all of them work. So don't get too lost in it. And stability counts. So changing the thing constantly, that means your dose is going to change. You're going to get wrong. Mm. It isn't actually going to produce a desired result. And they're not all the same. So some of you uh, watched uh, all of our like ICP labs. We sent in all kinds of different two parts. The most expensive was actually the lowest quality, yeah, uh, sadly. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of it's just like you know the sticker that's on there. Uh, yeah. And you know, you know, look for things like uh, pharmaceutical grade quality that actually means something. It has an actual standard in the universe. Mm. There is no pet grade or anything like that. So look for standard quality. Look for the people that are actually putting that standard on there uh, and helping you understand the quality of what you're getting. Some of it, though, I could actually pour it out into a glass and see it's dirty brown and know yeah, that true. that is probably not the right tool for the right job for me at yeah. least. All right, so number six is actually pretty cool. And this is the mistake of not watching our best of uh, 2019 two-part video. So we actually went back and uh, reviewed uh, our best of 2019 based on your guys' uh, popularity, uh, what most we're using, what we like for specific instances. So really dialing in what tool we're using for this job and in which case uh, that video has 
you know, the top topics of two-part and why you would want to choose them in the first place. Yeah, you get down to the cost. Actually, I think we have an episode on measuring the cost that we share in there so you know how much it costs every single month to use it. But really, you break down all of the most popular two-parts out there into a like real consumable uh, manner so you can get the right tool for your right job. All right, so number seven is uh, chasing the dragon or <laughs> uh, chasing trace element perfection. So, I mean, let's face it, some, if we're testing with hobby grade test kits, we're getting exactly that hobby grade test kit. So, you know, perfection is super hard to achieve, uh, especially unless you have like the tools for it or the cost there, you have the, the cash flow to keep up with it. So uh, in a lot of cases, just uh, water changes works for a lot of people. Yeah, so there's a lot of imperfect ways to maintain trace and minor elements in the tank, but here's the secret. All of them work, right? <laughs> yeah. So all of those methods have produced super stunning tanks all the way down to just using calcium chloride and soda ash and then replacing with water changes. It's yeah. an imperfect method, but an imperfect method it produces some pretty stunning tanks. Now that doesn't mean that you can't see incremental results from you know increased attention mm -hmm. to specific elements. As a reefers, we don't really know exactly which ones are important, so we take the broad spectrum approach to it. Yeah. And you can go all the way to using ICP methods and you know dosing each individual element to make sure it's like laser targeted. Or you can just have some trace elements mixed in with the various two-part. Uh, obviously, they'll cost more the more effort you put into it. But make sure you're getting that desired result out of it because uh, there's no reason to pay you know five times as much if you're not getting what you're looking for. So just don't chase the trace element dragon because you can get <laughs> lost in that sea and maybe not even get the results you're looking for. All right, so number eight isn't like super mission critical, but it's actually nice to know that you're doing the right thing. What is it? Yeah, get the right doser for the right job. And the common mistake is that uh, you just don't get the right one. You can get a slow doser. So if you're in doubt about which one to get, just get one low and slow so that you're adding small increments at a time. You're making small changes to the tank. The benefit for other dosers is now I can dose, them in, uh, dose on time schedules and increments that I want. I, if I have a higher demand, I can dose a little more in shorter amount of time or a little less in a longer amount of time. Uh, but getting the right doser that fits what your needs are. Yeah, so there's a lot of dosers out there that like just spurt it in, you know, and yeah. they're like shoot it in really fast. That is not good for chemicals like, uh, you know, calcium chloride and mm. uh, soda ash, which can precipitate if you create really high localized uh, levels, right? Mm -hmm. And so in this case, the slow drip, you know, there's a couple of them out there. I believe the Versus slow, the dose from Neptune slow, yep. the BRS dosers are slow. You know, we're talking like, you know, a milliliter a minute, which is drip. Yeah. Drip, it's true. Drip, and it's not just you know spraying it in super fast. It's not that those won't work at all. It's just you got to put a lot more effort into the pumps and stuff to make sure you're not getting precipitation in it. But if you're selecting a tool, you might as well select the right one for the right job. All right, number nine is actually a favorite of mine, uh, and I can't live without it. Yeah, game changer when you own an alkalinity checker. So not owning a Hanna alkalinity checker, mistake here. I mean, instant results and low cost for how valuable it is when that I can just go t take uh, 60 seconds or just over 60 seconds and test my alkalinity. Yeah, I'm gonna go uh, uh, this far out on a limb. If I took a people, a group of people that own HANA alkalinity checkers mm -hmm. and people that don't, I'm gonna say that the overall results of the people that do are gonna be better than don't, and this is why. It takes a minute 
to measure yeah. your alkalinity, and I'm super confident in the results. It just gives me digital readout. I'm not dripping stuff. And so if you're like, oh man, I probably test every month because I just don't like that whole process. Yeah. Uh, you know, all it is is fill it up with a sample, dump a pouch in there, shake it ten times, and push the button. You have your alkalinity, and. That you'll learn when, as soon as you start reefing is alkalinity is the number one most important thing to monitor in your tank. If you get alkalinity stable, the results in your tank will skyrocket. You'll do so be so much more successful. Yeah. So this is something I think near and dear to my heart, and I've seen it in my own tanks, that when I'm measuring alkalinity consistently, and I'm doing it consistently because it's easy, I just have better results. All right, number 10, this is a fail that actually was a really big deal like uh, probably seven or eight years ago and it's getting less every year but still pops its head up all the time. Yeah, dosing too much. So we talked about signs of precipitate and not noticing signs of precipitate usually comes from just dosing too much. So uh, like my 125 gallon tank, I had, uh, you know, I was running about 100 mils, 100 mils per day. And then you know get some phone calls where there's some you know some reefers that can't figure out why their stuff's not growing or what's why they're dosing 150 mils into like a 20 gallon tank uh, precipitate and not showing seeing the signs of it. So we actually have a video out there. I think it's called like uh, I keep adding more and more alkalinity oh, and my levels are going down. Yeah. You think if you pour more in, they'll go up but you're seeing this opposite and it's because you're dumping so much in it's causing precipitation mm. problems. You will actually have better success if you scale the dose down. Sounds counterintuitive, go watch the video and you'll see. This is a super common thing. So first thing I'll tell you is go follow the calculator that's on our website there that gives you, you the dose. The second thing I'll tell you is go over to the like a hashtag Aspirus TV group and say, how much do you guys dose? Can you show me a picture of your tank, yeah. right? And if you can go look at their tank and say, oh, that thing's filled with SPS. It looks similar to mine. They're dosing 100 milliliters and I'm dosing 600. Yeah. Something's wrong. That's probably <laughs> your problem, right? And, but you can kind of hone in on what other people are having success with that way and then really get a pocket that helps you be successful. But really overdosing used to be one of the biggest problems. It still is. It's just not as prevalent because this information's actually been permeated out there. All right. So... 11 here was when I first ran into this thing. It was like, hallelujah from the heavens, it <laughs> saved it, changed the way I reef, and it is. Yeah, this is, uh, the mistake here is missing the calculator. And uh, we have this on the website, and if you're, especially if you're using the, the BRS additives, uh, go in there, plug in your numbers, and you'll get an exact precise dose that you need to dose to get from here to here, and then you can figure that out what your daily dose is. Yeah, so actually in the beginning, my reef experience used JDX's uh, cal calculator. Mm -hmm. He actually did the math for ours as well, so thank you very much. Uh, but, like, you know, I went to the store and they told me to use some, you know, super duper calcium deluxe and mm -hmm. I put it in there and, like, I didn't really do anything and I didn't really know what I was doing and, like, it just, it didn't work. I just stopped using it, yeah. right? And then a buddy of mine showed me the calculator and I tested and it was, you know, alkalinity is like six because I was, didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> And then it said, you know, add X amount of milliliters, you know, over X amount of time. And I did it and I tested afterward and I'm like, huh, it actually went Spot to nine. On. Yeah. Right. And then when the calcium was 390, you know, the math on mm -hmm. the bottles we were getting is like almost no use to me. That's tough. Yeah. And I used the calculator and boom. 390 to 420 in one single dose. So if you're not using the calculator to correct, uh, like you're doing it the hardest way possible because just put in your tank size, you know, what your alkalinity is, what you want it to be and what you're using, boom, done. done. It works super, super well, so make sure you're using it. 
So number 12, I don't know why more people don't do this one actually, and it's kind of a fail to do this because it makes a, you can remove a lot of work. Yeah, uh, this is failing to make larger batches. So the shelf stability of pre-mixed solution is almost inevitable. Eternity. Yeah, I mean, you could mix this stuff up and like use it forever. Uh, you in you which, can will it to your other, your kits. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, in which case, I was only using, you know, one gallon jugs, and I had space for like a two five gallon buckets under my sump. I just didn't realize that I could make five gallons worth at a time and probably stop, uh, take, you know, that saves me, what, like 20, 30 minutes uh, every month or so. But I can, I can just not have alkalinity and calcium be a concern of mine for the next like six months. Yeah, it just reduces the work. Yeah. And A, reduces the chances that it's gonna empty on you and you don't know. Right? Not true. Because I can replace them uh, like one fifth as few times if I use a five gallon bucket. Mm. And so as long as you put like a loose lidding, uh, fitting lid on the top, you don't want to like make it vacuum. hermetically sealed yeah. to create a vacuum. But a loose lidding, a fitting lid, the two part will last, you know, many years mixed up, much mm. less the amount of months that you're going to use it in. And you can actually create it as big of a tank as you want. You could use a big 20 gallon drum if you wanted to and, you know, mix it up once a year. So it's kind of a fail to not consider, you know, mixing up. If you have like a fish room, mix up huge batches batch. of it and just know that this calcium thing, I don't have to worry about. So number 13 is actually something a lot of people miss and uh, like don't get the benefits from, even though it's super easy. Yeah, this is uh, not making your own DIY dosing container. There's so many containers that you can use, jars and jugs and you know different types of shapes and sizes. So why not make one or DIY one that uh, just fits what you have or what you need? Like if you're space limited, you can find super small thin ones. If you have multiple or big space, you can find a reservoir to do that. Uh, and making a DIY I one, we've got like three or four of the same video of how to make a DIY uh, dosing container. Uh, but there's some tools out there to make this like plug and play so that you could just take the lid off, go fill it, bring it back, plug it back in. So one of the biggest tools, regardless of the container that you use, is those little Murloc bulkheads, yes. right? And so uh, the big part for me in doing this is I want to get a fixed length mm. out of the tube that goes into my container so that it's always pulling off the bottom and somebody doesn't bump it and pull it up and it just starts sucking air yeah. into it. And so what you can do is put that little Murloc bulkhead in the lid of your five gallon bucket. You can put it actually in the lid of one of these. And we used to recommend using like an acrylic straw, mm. but that doesn't actually get down to the bottom and the bulkhead's actually best made for a quarter inch uh, RO tubing. That's yeah. its actually intended purpose. And so what I like to do now is use that and then use the curve that a yeah. tubing has to get into the corner in the lowest point in the container and you'll have the best results. You'll get a good tight seal in there and you'll be able to pull up the bottom. You'll never have it loose into the tank. Yeah, another point on those bulkheads too is, you know, my mind when I hear bulkhead, I think watertight. I think water, mm -hmm. you know, I can put the bulkhead anywhere and water's not gonna get out. These push connect, uh, the quarter inch push connect Murloc bulkheads, not intended for that purpose. Really, it's just so you can keep this, uh, the lid sealed and uh, access the liquid inside. So it's not, if you put it at the bottom of your dosing container, you put it somewhere where there's water or liquid pushing up against it, it's gonna leak. You could probably go get like your own gasket yeah. for it and make your own, but it's really not designed for that purpose. It's again, like go through the top of it mm -hmm. and give a fixed point to attach to. All right, number 14 is a pain point for me. I wish everybody <laughs> knew, and like most people just don't do it for some reason. This is not recognizing the difference between bicarbonate, sodium bicarb, 
and soda ash, especially when it comes to like making changes. Mm -hmm. So soda, soda ash you're gonna use to like raise the pH of your tank in small little 100 milliliter doses a day or it's your whatnot. Daily. Yep, just dose real slow, adds a tenth or two of a point of pH. But if I wanna like correct my alkalinity, like it's gotta get it from seven to nine or whatnot mm -hmm. over a period of time, I don't wanna use that because the pH actually skyrockets when I dump that in. What I really want to use is sodium bicarbonate, which has almost no effect to the pH. It's tiny, tiny, right. slight, temporary uh, reduction in pH. will be gone in a matter of hours. But I can actually make bigger doses to the alkalinity without affecting the pH. And so everyone, everyone, all of you watching right now, <laughs> if you're not using bicarb for this purpose, just go buy one of those little tear-off pouches. It yes. costs four bucks. Mix up a gallon of bicarb solution and start using that for your alkalinity larger adjustments and then the soda ash for your daily dose. Again, using the right tool for the right job. Okay, so number 15, this is another one that people missed a lot uh, years ago. Most people got a pretty good handle on it now, but if you haven't, you should listen. Yeah, this is uh, missing magnesium's role in your two-part dosing. So we say two-part dosing because it's alkalinity and it's calcium, uh, but it just doesn't end there. There is magnesium, and there's a reason that we have magnesium. Yeah, so magnesium's role is actually to maintain high levels of calcium alkalinity. It kind of prevents these two things from finding each other, poisons mm -hmm. the surface, and uh, stops them from finding each other so they don't just precipitate out in the tank. So if you're having problems maintaining calcium and alkalinity and you have low magnesium, that's the reason. But you can just skip that whole reason and just maintain the uh, magnesium levels properly to begin with. Again, we have a whole slew of videos. You can go oh, watch yeah. all the science on this. But end of story, just maintain your magnesium. It's super easy. It doesn't actually deplete the same way that calcium and alkalinity alkalinity do, mm. so it's much less infrequent. You could probably do it once a month or even every other month in many cases. Yeah. Make small correction doses. Doesn't really matter if it drops 50 points. It's probably not gonna have any like um, you know metabolic uh, change in health in the corals. It's just to make, take, make sure that you maintain that high level calcium alkalinity and the chemistry of the overall water. All right, number 16. <laughs> this is one we've actually said in some of the other top 15s, but if this is your first rodeo and you don't really have a full grasp of how calcium and alkalinity all comes together and you really want to learn more, what is the biggest fail? Yeah, do yourself a favor. Don't make this mistake and follow the five-minute guide. Go watch the five-minute guide on calcium and alkalinity. Like you said, we have tons of calcium and alkalinity videos out there. Chemistry deep, chemistry heavy, you know, kind of for some people over the top, uh, over their head. But if you want just five minutes to figure this out and uh, know kind of that relationship, understand why it's important and what's important, Go watch the five minute guide. Yeah, so for me, all the previous videos to this one were all super nerdy and high level that's because true. that's just like the universe I like to live in. Yeah. Uh, but so if you don't want to watch 25 minutes on calcium and alkalinity and all the little ions and what's happening, you can actually short down to like just what you really need to know. And in five minutes with the five minute guide to calcium and alkalinity, you can get everything that a newer reefer needs to know all compact into something smaller. And then even if you want to go and learn all the rest of it, you have that starting point or base knowledge to start yeah. absorbing the rest of it in a really rapid manner. Okay, so if you only heard one thing today, let it be this. Let's up our game with slow dosing to a high flow area so we can prevent precipitation in the tank mm -hmm. and then also know what precipitation looks like most often like a whole bunch of crust that builds up right under the point where you're dosing. So my takeaway here is 
don't chase the two-part dragon. If you're going to pick the expensive brand, make sure there's a reason why that is most expensive. And the best tool to figure out which one works best for you is probably our best of 2019 two-part episode right here.